0: Anyway, we should get we should start the show. What's our intro this week?
1: Um, this week I was parasailing in Paraguay, which is the
0: only place to do it. Ah, uh, why, why? Why? When you say it's the only place, well, is it the only place you're allowed?
1: No, it's the only place to do it because parasailing, Paraguay. Ah, right. Okay. Obviously, it was invented in Paraguay, so go to the source.
0: Hmm. What is parasailing? Is that just sailing in Paraguay? Yeah.
1: Oh okay. yeah, I was in a yacht. It was very relaxing.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Um, I I learnt the secrets of magic.
1: Real magic or creepy children's parties magic?
0: Um, both. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so, so, are
1: you a ninth level wizard that can make a card disappear?
0: But I mean, it really disappears. <laughs> like, I don't know where they go. <laughs> There was this. There was this guy. So I, I was at this children's birthday party, like for an unconnected reason. Mm, and um, well, you know, it's just fun to hang out sometimes. And there was a magician there, and he was like, he was like, he was like, "Come over here." My voice. Like, what was that? You have to speak up. You're speaking very indistinctly. Come over here, Well So, so you about the secrets of magic. And so, yeah, like it involved... Like, see, you know how normally it's like... When, when they represent learning about magic in film and TV and stuff, it's like, oh, you have to read ancient books and you have to learn the secrets from the old masters. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the sort of nine-year study just to be able to make a flower appear sort of thing.
0: Yeah, he just had me eat a load of birds.
1: Just like... Like, how many birds? <sighs> I need to know the thresholds. Was it more than ten?
0: I don't know. I was doing it for a week. Oh, that's that's a lot of birds. Yeah, and like I'm not not like cooked chicken either.
1: No, but like 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 one of those um, apple tr- uh, apple cart trays full of birds.
0: An apple cart tray.
1: Yeah, you know when you're in a uh, you're in a supermarket and the apples are in like
0: wooden crates. Oh yeah, well oh, oh yeah, or oh, oh, they have the little um, cushioned.
1: Yeah, civets. yeah, but like I'm thinking one of those wooden things filled with birds, mm. and obviously that gives you a place mm. to store
0: them. Well, I mean, the problem with birds is, Chris, is that they don't stay put, do they? They fly around.
1: Well, they're, they're tied down with ribbon.
0: Mm. A lot of them, uh, so like, I will say, to his credit, a lot of the birds he had me eat were small, like your chaffinches, your wrens, yeah. that sort of thing. That's, that's your, good Your, of them. your, your tits, great and blue, mm-hmm. also coal. Uh, but like, the pigeons were a real issue. They're fighty as well, the pigeon. They are. They clawed on the way down. I mean, like he's, 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 he's like, don't bite the head off first. What are you, a coward? And, oh, sorry, sorry. That, that's me paraphrasing. What he said was, mm-hmm. And eventually, so I ate a shit ton of birds. Um, and then I unlocked the secrets of party magic.
1: I have to ask. Yes. Was this gravelly-voiced singer-songwriter Tom Waits?
0: Um, In retrospect, it was obviously Tom Waits.
1: Right, because I've, th- I've always thing. thought like, he was a wizard. So that
0: well, he's not very good at music anymore. <laughs> so he's just doing
1: children's parties. He's well, got to make a living. I mean, obviously, like you don't just you don't just leave a heady career like that.
0: No, no, and just stop. I mean, what, what's, what's he going to do? Work in a shop? Yeah, that's, that's not. He's still going to perform. So, like you know that bit, you know that old dad, te- that old dad trick where you are sort of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the end of my thumb off. Mm-hmm. I don't have any ends on my thumbs anymore.
1: Oh shit! Is, is they White, just come right Tom off. Tom White's
0: got them. Yeah, Tom White. I presume. I I figured they're with the cards.
1: <laughs> I I do kind of like the idea of a, like a Call of Cthulhu scenario mm-hmm. that starts with a panicked middle-aged man, like like running. Class-
0: Sorry. So, so, so is is, is the skit over now? Are we going?
2: No, no, no. This, this is just okay. Good. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, A panicked middle-aged
1: man, like. Running clown makeup on his face <laughs> comes to you.
2: So it's
0: imagining, but like 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 an athletics clown. <laughs> no, no, like like he's been crying. Crying, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Just coming to you and just going. I don't know where the cards have gone. I don't know where the cards have gone. I can just pull pennies from ears, <laughs> and just like he's got this semi-mystical power.
0: Okay, he's got actual magic. Yeah, and
1: like like pull pull on the pull pull on these handkerchiefs. They will literally not stop coming out of my jacket.
0: Can't stop it. Help me. I need help. That's kind of interesting.
1: Like, I'm, like I'm just, if you a want a thing, mundane like, magic works, thing, that's perfect. Yeah, it only
0: works in the modern campaign. If if you've got it, like a wizard in in um, Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. Like, unfortunately, I've left my press the digitization tap on.
1: <laughs> just Renaissance France, <laughs> the self-playing piano.
0: It's still self-playing. Shut it down. It can't be shut down. <laughs> Zitalo alone. <laughs> I strike it with a hammer. Nothing occurs. What, what devil is this? Call the prince. <laughs> <laughs> the duke will know. The duke will know. I have killed many a piano in my time.
1: <laughs> Chevalier, aid me. I have <laughs> a problem with my piano. It is playing very racist songs. <laughs> it's playing
0: black and white minstrel songs from the future. <laughs> it is the absolute worst, and I have a party of three. Chuck Char- up on your arse and charge into it.
1: <laughs> Are you not a chevalier? Huh?
0: Did you just learn that word recently?
1: No, I just like chevalier. Chevalier.
0: It's pretty close to hairdresser forget the word for hairdresser but it's, it's 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 like oh no it's um it's in Portuguese
1: uh, I was thinking it was close to a street but that's
0: chandelier mm, that's uh chandelier that's what I said you said chandelier
1: yeah I said chandelier chandelier look my French isn't exactly on point I pronounce chevalier word? chevalier chevalier
0: how come we don't have a word for chandelier in English
1: because we're not French
0: yeah but like, we've anglified a lot of the French words that have been gussied about our country and, you know, I'm going to say it forced upon us by an invading Norman force.
1: <laughs> deja vu
0: De- Well deja vu is um, uh, there's a certain je ne sais quoi about the word which can't <laughs> be replicated in, in, in English but, C'est vie. Yeah, okay, okay, well, that's life you know, that's fine, that translates yeah. but we don't have a word for chandelier with like, I don't know, big light
1: (laughs) you know, with the dangle muffins on it, you know the little sparkle fellas
0: shine roof (laughs) bright ceiling hang (laughs) I really like trying to get like trying to manhandle Anglo-Saxon to do jobs it's not supposed to do
1: (laughs) it's a great language for it
0: I love it, whereas like if you tried
1: to do it in German, like well this is the word
0: well, that's, that's just the word. why not make up a word? Yeah, this is the word.
1: Krankenwagen.
0: We had an argument at a party over which, over which um, word has the biggest word, uh, which language has the biggest word stock. Mm. Which is it's English. It is English. But German has the largest potential word stock because it's just a fucking cavalcade.
1: <laughs> it's a free for
0: all. Yeah, you can just bolt on, the, bolt on whatever words you want. Yeah. Anyway, should we start the show? Give it a go. What is our intro this week, by the way? <laughs> I was parasailing
1: in Paraguay. <laughs> <laughs> now you see, the reason I was in Paraguay to do parasailing mm-hmm. is because parasailing, Paraguay, mm-hmm. it's where it was invented.
0: I have, a, I have, a, I have a, an adjoining question. Hmm. Does this relate to Per the Rapper?
1: Yes, also from Paraguay. Uh, okay. Yeah. But also, sadly, it's also where paraplegics come from.
0: Oh no, I thought that was a condition, not a not a nationality. No,
1: it's not. They they, they get a passport. Paramedics? Yep. Paraguay. Okay.
0: Hmm. Parrots?
1: No. Nope. Because that's oh. not spelt P A R A. Pararats would. <laughs> yeah, pararats are, obviously.
0: What whatever's above arats
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hyper arot I'm terribly sorry, the arrot is spread to his heart really. <laughs> <laughs> it is terminal. Right, he's terminal. He's got he's got seconds to live. <laughs> he will be
1: squawking by midnight.
0: I would recommend you say whatever you have to say to him now <laughs>
1: because he's about to get a new passport.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Hearty Dice Friends. My name's Grant Howitt, I'm joined by my best friend in the whole wide world, Christopher Taylor, and we are here to answer your role-playing game questions, whether you want us to or not. Christopher, what have you been up to this week?
1: I've been parasailing in Paraguay. Don't fucking lie. (laughs) I've been tarting up my office. That's what I've been doing, alright? That's
0: good, you bought some things into your
1: office. I bought some things into my office. I got all my RPG books all like laid
0: out. Oh, oh it's so books.
1: pretty.
2: So pretty.
0: That's good. Yeah, it's a
1: lot of effort, because those things are shitting heavy.
0: Why do we have to have such fucking heavy books? Is it because, in the RPG industry, it's, it's like we've, we've come out of a realm where tomes are very important? Mm, I guess. And so, like, having a big leather-bound brass bound human skin cursed book is important, and you have to have something which evokes that, which is why you have those massive d and d books I guess, but also because there's got to be a lot in them it doesn't have to be a lot in them I guess if you want if you want to sell copies there does. if you want value well I mean, you, can't mm, okay. be, you can't just
1: be tossing about one page RPGs here and thither hither and thither
0: hither and hither, yeah, no, hither and, and yon <laughs> i what makes an RPG valuable? Because it's not just... Sorry? Wait. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, can I get three pounds of RPG, please? Buy
1: them by the yard. I just... I
0: feel... I feel that there's a a big discussion to be had around what actually is valuable in terms of RPGs. And I suppose it differs between different markets. So, I guess I... Actually, go on.
1: I guess I can only speak for myself.
0: No, speak for everyone. Okay,
1: everyone, this is, this is the truth. The, the straight dope. <laughs> um, it's how much of the book is transferable, Oh, how much of the book is interesting, mm-hmm. and, for me, how much the rules set is aligned with what the rest of the book says.
0: Yes, if it, if it lets you tell the sort of stories it's wanting you to tell. Yes. I, I sort of view that as, as, as like whether it's successful. Or not But it's difficult to sort of discern what the but author wanted that, you to tell. But
1: that's also value, mm. layers like, personal value. Because if you look at it being, trans- Yeah
0: sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't disagreeing with you. No, no, I know. Saying, yes, but you?
1: Um, if you look at the, tr- the the quantity of the book that is transferable, mm. that's innate value because then you can use it regardless of whether or not you play that game. Mm. Is that not true?
0: Oh, sorry. I was Im- imitating a mosquito. Oh, okay. No, that, that, that was that was my um, that was my thing. That's the thing. Like, there is that that is one value, but also, if a book is standalone but brilliant, is that all? Is that not also valuable? Yes. That's, example, that's, that's, thought, that's why I'm like, saying
1: there are th- there are three.
0: Uh, okay. Brilliance. Yes, that makes sense.
1: Components to it, mm. um, and the fact that the the rules inside go to what you're trying to do mm. is incredibly important. Yeah. And whether or not the, the book it's the book supports itself,
0: yes, if it can hold its own weight, yeah,
1: then that then that to me is value in an RPG.
0: Yeah, I think I think as I as I, as I get a bit older, I'm more I'm more looking for books that are fun to read, but also books that when I sit down, I read them and I'm like, oh wow, imagine the adventures I could have in this system, hmm. and they're never doing anything about it.
1: Well, I mean, you never do anything about reading, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird.
0: Well, but like you've done it at that point, don't you? You've read it. Yeah,
1: but like you can say the same thing about an RPG.
0: Well, <laughs> well, I don't know actually, because like some might argue that the only true form of an RPG is one which is played. That's just gatekeeping.
1: That's not okay.
0: Yeah, it's true. Should we? Should we start the show? Let's do it. Ask me a question.
1: Uh, well, let's let's segue beautifully into fans' question.
0: Okay. Are us Segue beautifully. Are,
1: ooh, are there any RPGs you mm-hmm. wish you could get into? Just can't
0: mutants and masterminds. Really,
1: that's a game you really want to play, but you just can't get in.
0: Well, sorry, mutants and masterminds. I'm going to say as a poster child for every superhero RPG. Okay,
1: so yeah, it's just a. I was going to say vector, vector, but but that's not a vector. Wild
0: talents and not hero system because that's dire. But any sort of superhero system where you get to either make up your own powers or you have a list of powers to draw from, and it's Fairly easy to understand. Okay, I just can't. It's so boring. <laughs> it it failed. Like they they fail to understand the what's what what superhero comics are about. It's not about oh oh I can have these cool powers. At that point, what you have is almost, almost like a special ops story.
2: Mm. Yeah,
0: and it's about it's about like what what you believe in and what you're fighting for and why you're doing the things and what you stand to lose. And that's why I think, like, Musk's does that a lot better because it focuses more on the interpersonal relationships between the uh, between the heroes and the, the world around them. Or Smallville, uh, where it focuses, where, again, like, all the dice rolls are like, d- d- depending on what character you're doing it with or to or on behalf of. But I think there's something really, there's something quietly enjoyable about sitting down and coming up with a load of powers, but then actually having to use them in play is nightmarish.
1: Where do you stand on things like Better Angels? Because that's that's superhero-ish. And it's but it's it, run, but it's a different take on angels. it.
0: I've run Better Angels. Okay. Um it's okay. The skills the skill system is difficult. Right. That's that's not like a genre complaint. But it has um the skill open, which is not like unlock doors, but it's engage in open warfare. Oh, that's odd. Yeah, that like so it's it's got kind of the good version and the bad version of skills and you and like you 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 shift points between them whether it's your good side or your bad side whether it's the hero or your villain. I think honestly it goes off a bit half cock. So it wasn't I wasn't really clear whether they were playing villains or heroes at any point and I did read the book. <laughs>
1: I guess that's part of it.
0: Well, well yeah, but you know, <laughs> you still need to know ...to write adventures. It was okay. Um I think that it was it was one of the better superhero experiences I had. Uh, but I suppose I think also, like, when I, when I talk about superhero games, I'm also thinking in terms of anything that has that really sort of granular option choice of, like, the equipment options in Dark Heresy, for example. Yes. like the Like, how bitty those all are, and how little all the pieces slot together. And like, okay, I kind of like that, I don't want to have to use it, but I like examining it and playing with it in my head. How about you?
1: One of, so one of the RPG systems that I, that I wish I could get into but can't is Powered by the Apocalypse
0: mm, yeah you don't like that much do you I
1: don't know why it just rubs me the wrong way
0: it doesn't feel like it exists
1: no I, I think part of what I like about being a player is being proactive
0: mm, and it, it rewards that
1: yes but it feels to me a little bit like what I do is I tell my side of the story and then the DM says that's a move roll some
2: dice
0: Mm. That's the thing. Like it's it's postmodern in that that's kind of how D and D works, except it it takes off the um a lot of the fine detail yeah and and tries to bring it down to the story beats, which I really respect. Um, I think it was, it was someone on the Discord. I forget who it was, but someone said that Dungeon World doesn't quite feel right because it's it's not d and D simulator. It's a simulator for playing D and D. Okay, that makes, that makes sense. Makes sense. To me, yeah, it's supposed to it's supposed to mechanically recreate the. The um the idea of playing Dungeons and Dragons rather than mechanically recreate stories in a fantasy world. It's like, oh, that's why i, I rubbed up against it. Mm. That's why it doesn't feel right.
1: I think also uh, the moves feel like the only things I can do.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and like if you, if you understand what I mean, right so no, p- precisely I understand and like I think Apocalypse World, you get a handful of um, moves. Per playbook, mm. And then also, I think you've got like five, like four or five core moves you can do. And everything falls into those. Yeah. Otherwise, don't bother rolling. Exactly. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not there with it myself. I really wish I was. Also, I think that it's popular and I don't like it because of that. <laughs>
1: no, like <laughs> I respect it as a system. And I don't... Yeah, it, yeah, it's sure. not like some games where I think, why are you playing this? Hmm. Like, there are better games out there. Like, if you're playing Power by the Apocalypse, writing... Doing whatever for Powered by the Apocalypse, go for it. It's great. Knock yourself out. Yeah. It's just I don't I don't fit into the the mould it's providing.
0: Yeah, I think I think as well. There's there's almost a, there's, there's a there's a suspension of disbelief inherent to it. In that when it, when I'm playing a more traditional role playing game, there's the sensation that I'm settling into the world and the world exists around me. And in Powered by the Apocalypse, it can only do things when I act on it.
1: Yeah, I guess. And that's the
0: thing. Like That's that's true, that's true of Spire.
1: Yeah, I mean, our games very much come from the... Our, our
0: games basically purple. Actually, apparently our games basically plays in the dark, I'm told. Apparently, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, there is an element of that. But, yeah, mm. just... And also, I don't think... I haven't yet seen a setting for Power of the Apocalypse that I'd very much want to play.
0: Hmm. That's fair. And and you do, you do have unique tastes. I do
1: have unique tastes. I have very specific ones and like i don't like post apocalyptic right which is a huge hurdle because that's an awful yeah. lot of them i don't like to, i that's don't that's
0: one of the that's one of the three uh, role playing game settings you're allowed to have yeah
1: exactly i just i, I can't stand post apocalyptic settings
0: <laughs> all right i'm going to move on please read aloud box text is it ever a good idea asks samuel
1: so this is a caveat laden no <laughs>
0: uh, Show me the details of those caveats, please So
1: first of all, let's start from the very beginning Read loud box Mm -hmm. text, is it a good idea? No, don't like it No, Don't like it at all However, Mm -hmm. it is good for GMs to learn When they're GMing Mm -hmm. What sort of things need to be said In those sections
0: I don't know, dude I'm not sure, because like... Especially like in World of Darkness, or, or honestly anything where I read box text, it doesn't sound like the, the way people talk.
1: No, but my point is that you shouldn't read box text. It should be it should be used as an example, mm. and then you say your version.
0: I suppose so it's like not this, but like this. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly that. Um, and I think like if you're coming to D and D for the very first time, mm-hmm. seeing those read aloud box boxes. Mm. That can be so helpful for going. Oh, yeah. that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's my job.
0: Ah, oh, I can set the scene. I, I guess it's like as a guide to scene framing. It's good.
2: Yeah,
1: but when you've got a box text for every room in a dungeon, mm. and when you open the chest, a gaseous cloud escapes, and there is a man inside
0: going, "Hello, hello! Oh, get get your stinking cloud out of you. Get my cloud out your lungs! <laughs> that's my it's my cloud. Like put, put it back in the box." You're,
1: you're letting go the gas out.
0: Just, just pulling the, the chest closed. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! I might have to use that in a game. What are you it's even just...
1: doing in this dungeon, you idiots?
0: It's just, just like, 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 like Like they're picking a lock on a chest. You just hear, ow!
1: <laughs> as the lock, what? as the lock picks are pulled into the chest through the lock.
0: <clears throat> Fuck off!
1: <laughs> Be off with you! Didn't you see the sign? It's just like this a, is my house. There's, there's a rusted, um, moss covered sign saying "trespassers will be prosecuted" on the
0: outside <laughs> of the box. Oh man, I'm putting that in tonight's game. <laughs> I'm having that. It's yours to keep. Now, I I think I think it's 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 a useful teaching tool, but it's more sort of um, use this as inspiration. Don't read it aloud. Yeah,
1: and it's really Mine. easy to fall on them as a crutch.
0: I think I think also because like you can't get too evocative in the, um, it's 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 telling not showing, mm, yeah, um, because if you get too evocative, you start running into problems. Like like let's say for example, um, uh, as you walk into this chamber, uh, there is a foul smell and the acrid taste of acid fills your mouth, and the warforged are like, I don't have a tongue. <laughs> Nor do I breathe. Oh, well, fuck off then. Stand outside.
1: Also, acid, is it going to cause a patina on my skin?
0: Yeah. Oh, um I've roll versus acid and it's like it just stops. It just it just slows things down. And like or like or like say for example, oh it's really cold and wet and you and and, and you feel rubbish coming in here. No I don't. Fine, thanks Steve.
1: <laughs> but also it, you run the risk of putting in too many details and then focusing on ah it smells musty in here. Mm. Like uh, just that's just because it's alt.
0: It's just over text. Just, just move on. I'm not telling you the
1: important bits right now, oh my god. Oh my god! Okay.
0: I have favored enemy mold. Just get,
1: just, just, just get, just get in the boat.
0: Just get in the boat. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think that you can maybe try and hide some jokes in it. Oh, that might be fun. Yes, that that's a good opportunity. <laughs> but, but honestly, it's not really worth it. It's it's generally it's like I'd much rather have a bullet point. List or like, um, uh, here, like, here are ten things. Pick three of them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I kind of see like somebody writing an adventure and, and a group of young people playing it for the first time. it's like, right, mm. everybody ready? I'm going to start with the box text. As you step down the down the staircase into the gloom, you ha ha! You're reading this, you twat! <laughs> and you get further. What? Why is everyone laughing? <laughs>
0: what a real prick you look like (laughs) ask me a question I will ask you a question
1: what games handle money the best by Murph Drake presumably the happiest dragon
0: the happiest dragon so I'm going to call back to Call of Cthulhu as the as the, uh, the big mac daddy of this I it's rare I praise Call of Cthulhu but considering it came out basically in the 1800s the fact that it had a credit rating score rather than forcing you to count money all the time yeah is very useful. It's just like it's. It's like, can I afford this? And is it going to make an impact on my on my finances?
1: Mm. And yet, every published adventure has this piece of rope will cost you ten dollars. <laughs>
0: <Like>, come <laughs> on, just some good rope.
1: Just tell me what's going on
0: here. It, just, it doesn't matter. And I think, like, I think you you run you run into a into a difficult situation because if a role playing game is about things rather than people, then currency becomes much more important. Yes. Whereas if, if a role playing game is about your inherent powers, currency it doesn't really matter at that point. It's power. I, I ran a game many moons ago, um, which was based in the Underhive. It was uh, it was the it was the Dark Heresy campaign. Uh, after uh, uh, it was the one after you uh, you quit, Chris. Okay, and you you fled to the south of England. Yep,
1: ran with my tail between my legs.
0: And you uh, and the players had to infiltrate a spire. Uh, a uh, a um, hive city from the, uh, from the from the from the from the underhive up. It was intended to be a long campaign. I got bored and gave them a lift halfway through.
1: <laughs> Fantastic.
0: But, um, the uh, it, it started out with okay. So starting characters have um, this this starting equipment, and you get like uh, a random amount of thrown guilt. That, Which that's coins, credits. right? Yes, I, yes. I just called them credits. Okay, yeah. And instead of that, I gave them all basically thirty p. <laughs> okay, and I, I gave them thirty p. And I was like, "Remember, you can get cheaper versions of things if they're bad." And that was really quite good fun because they were they were sort of they were going through everyone and like like they were mugging people for coins and doing their best to set up some sort of business bringing in money so they could then use that as a front to generate money for the Inquisition and that was actually quite good fun but I'm a much older man now and would never do it again (laughs) too much bookkeeping that was was, was ten years ago and fuck that
1: (laughs) yeah I've long since passed the days of Mm. counting every coin in Dungeons and Dragons
0: yeah uh, That's
1: such a hurdle to actually doing anything in the game ever.
0: So it's not the last fun. two, the last two D anD D campaigns I've run. One, I, rem- I removed all treasure and replaced it with tokens. <laughs> Clever. Uh, which you put into a Jim Bowen style. You put you put into it into a, an animatronic Jim Bowen who gave you a role on the random treasure table. And the one before that, I I just gave people an adjective. <laughs> So it's like, it like you are broke. Oh, I found a sack of money. Cool, you have some money. You are wealthy. You are loaded. <laughs> and it just went up and down, no matter no, depending on what they want. And like, and like the, the thing is, in Dungeons and Dragons, you can't afford to buy a magic item for a very long time. You have as much money as you want, really. That's fine. Yeah. And also, like, oh, there aren't any around here.
1: I suppose the only time I've ever really cared about money in Dungeons and Dragons style games. Is when you do the classic thing of putting in an absolutely enormous solid gold statue, mm-hmm. and then watching them trying to get it out of a dungeon.
0: Well, that's, that's the thing. Like that's that's wonderful, and it's not currency, but p- at that, at that point, potential it's potential currency. It's very valuable. Yeah, I, I, I suppose like you, you could do that in any game. Say, oh, there's a there's a tremendously valuable heavy statue.
1: Yeah. Although, conversely, in one of my Eberron games, mm-hmm. I was playing one of the published adventures. And the first thing they fight is um, essentially a money oh, It's <laughs> essentially a Warforged dog.
2: Ah, cool. But it's
1: adamantium. Like, it's got adamantium running through it. Not all of it. So you can still kill it without adamantium weapons.
0: Oh, that's, that's a very valuable dog. Right? And the first,
1: that... after it's killed, like, like, so where are you going next? And it's like, no, no, we're not going anywhere. There's 10 grand in that dog.
0: we going to sell this dog. <laughs> I'm going to
1: start an adamantium <laughs> business and just extrude all this out and just make a sm- uh, like adamantium needles and things like that like, mm, oh, I mean that is genuinely the smartest thing
0: you could do it's safe however could you just get the fuck on with it <laughs> I'm not made of adamantium dogs but I am made of adamantium dogs <laughs> yeah. so an accident.
1: the worst part is they popped up like four or five more times in the game oh man <laughs> Especially every time like, I'm, I'm coming back for that dog I know you're coming back for that dog can we just do it later it's, I'll promise you it's still there so painful
0: mm. I have a question ask how would you seduce slash enamor a frost giant <laughs> this was sent into reddit by taywearit_reddittrap. underscore um, reddit trap
1: I think with a bouquet of redwood trees
0: Because they're quite big, aren't they? Yes, something. You need something
1: large just to attract their attention.
0: I'm trying to think. So, like, it goes. I think it goes Hill, Fire, Frost, Lightning, Thunder, whatever the the top one is. I believe so. I can't remember, honestly. They're the second biggest classic giant. Mm. Storm? Is that the big one? Yeah, Storm, Lightning, Lightning Powers. Yeah. Lots, Lots of. I mean, they've all got beards. Well, obviously. Do you think they'd like like snow cones or ice creams, or is that a bit done for them?
1: I think I think that's a little bit offensive. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Honestly.
0: It's like buying a British person fish and chips.
1: Yeah, like, thanks.
0: You like this, right? Well, oh, I guess. Okay. Thank you. Wow. I thought you were cool. People like what's different, right? People like... Um, the strange and the exotic and the different. Yeah. People also like what's comfortable to them, but when it comes to sex and love, they like they like to be surprised. They like to have something exciting and exotic. And if you live in a world where people are all at least fifty feet tall, what's more exciting and exotic than me at six foot tall? <laughs>
1: I am a giant amongst my people.
0: A tiny little dude
1: <laughs> definitely seen that video.
0: There's a lot of there's a lot of porn about being a tiny little dude. there is a surprising amount and like there's not a great deal you can do <laughs> <laughs> at that scale it's not there's not really there's not much you can go but i'm i'm I'm, hope, I'm hoping I, I I could sort of well it's like it's namer, so i'm, hope, I'm hoping i hoping I could charm him or her with my beautiful poetry
1: yeah, and your tiny size
0: like they're smart as well frustrant they? they're not like idiot giants like hill giants. Sure. Because if it, if, it was, if it was hill giants, they'd just jangle my fucking keys. <laughs> yeah,
2: just throw a
1: tennis ball. What's that? What's that? What's that? Yeah. You want a kiss? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who wants a kiss? Who wants to oh, come here. Oh, lovely.
1: As the hill giant crushes you.
0: <laughs> yeah, but kissing-wise.
1: Sure. You're still um, dead.
0: How do you think this came up in play? <laughs>
1: I think what happened is they've got a frost giant like guarding a gate. Or a passage... A passage through the mountain, and they tried attacking it, and they He's just a TPK, they just got destroyed. And so the next
0: part, you come back, right. All done up in fancy clothes and evening gowns. I think
1: it's the only the only situation, unless you're also a frost well, giant. If you're also a frost giant, maybe they're all playing different types of giants, right?
0: I guess I, I suppose at that point, it's like what is, yes. what is considered beautiful in a frost giant culture? And if Reaper Miniatures is anything to go by, the, the men look like giants, the women look like tall women. I know, listen, I know this is a fairly common thing. I want to bring it off the podcast because it infuriates me. How the general, the general design for fantasy creatures is you've got the male version is big, green, tusks, muscles, like deformed body, that sort of thing. And the female version is just a woman with some tusks. And maybe not even the tusks. Yeah, and make, make, make <laughs> sure she got them titties. Got to have them tartars. Got to, 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 to have them titties. Them bodacious jugs. Those tatty bojangles, I like to imagine tatty bojangles are um, loose and excited. Question. Do 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 do. Read me a question. Do 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 do. You are my question man, and I'm your answerer.
1: Best systems for tactically rich play.
0: That's well. If there's one thing about me, Chris, I like tactics. I like rules. I like making difficult tactical decisions round to round in combat. I'll be honest with you; I don't know the answer to this question. <laughs> you did
1: write a game that was tactically rich.
0: Well, Un- Unbound has some tactical richness to it, certainly. Yes. So I think, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put forward two options. One, okay, one Dungeons and Dragons fourth ed, not currently supported Solid. system, but is actually quite good fun to dick about with as long as you've got a map and you've got some players who are into it and you've got a good GM who remembers how to do things quickly. Yeah. Now the other one I'm going to put forward, this is going to sound very strange, Dark Heresy.
1: It does sound very strange. I'm startled.
0: Well, I ran Dark Heresy for two odd years and towards, I think, 18 months in, I worked out how you win Dark Heresy.
1: (laughs) It's, it's, it's 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 this war game style. The only way to win is not to play.
0: Um, no, the only way to win is to get a um, semi-automatic pump-action shotgun and get up to point-blank range, and then it, you just kill everything. Well, at that point, you're adding sixty to your D one hundred roll.
1: That's a big number to be adding to a D one hundred. That is a big
0: number, Chris. Yeah, um, and so, and especially considering that like, I think with semi-auto, you got more like you could hit them multiple times if you got more degrees of success on the check. Okay. So, uh, like traditional Dark Heresy, you've got a very limited chance of doing anything. You have uh, like you're rolling like under under 35 to hit with a moderately skilled character under 35, so you've got 35% chance of success. And if if they haven't been explicitly trained in that in that kind of weapon, so for example, solid projectile pistols require different training from solid projectile rifles, of course. So basic. Yeah, um, then, then you're rolling. Then I mean, you're rolling under half of 35, which is maths 18 ish. Call it 10. Yeah. So you're not you're not hitting very often, and the book isn't hugely great at telling like the GM to apply bonuses. So it's just it's just assumed you're rolling under that all the time, and no one does nothing, and you have these, these shambolic fights where everyone's limping <laughs> around trying to just trying trying to beat the tar out of everyone. It doesn't work, except if you get up uh, if you get up point blank with a shotgun, um, which requires you to do things like use cover and approach. And like, actually think tactically about it, then okay. you can turn anyone to mints. It actually functions like shooting them point blank with a shotgun.
1: That's that's kind of nice. I like
0: and that, that, and that's kind of interesting. And they, I was playing, and then I got that. I clicked it. It's actually oh, this is a spy game. This isn't a game about glorious about glorious combat and charge again. This is a game about about rigging the odds to be in your favor, surprising them, and never having a fair fight. So it's kind of OSR in that way. Yeah. So like so like you have you have the meeting with, with the with the cult leader and in case things go wrong, you've got your you've got your guardsman hiding under the table holding two sawn-off <laughs> shotguns. And you just turn him into a sort of red mist if things go wrong. And like, okay, I like that. And that it's about dirty like dirty fighting and unhanded tactics, and I have much more respect for the game. I didn't play it again though. <laughs> no. How about you?
1: Um I think for me it's it's essentially any version of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I suppose so. Because I grew up with min-maxers mm. rather than, rather than story gamers.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Um it's, it's been interesting watching your conversion.
1: Yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely a story gamer now.
0: Yeah. You, you, you used to send me level 10 sorcerers you'd written.
1: Yeah, exactly. That used to be a thing I did. And so all games of D&D, for me, have always been played on a tactical map. Mm. And have always been tactical war game style.
0: Yeah, with some storytelling nearby.
1: Yeah, with it, well, the, the storytelling is, is the bit you do between the fights.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's, that's d and isn't it? Yeah.
2: Hmm.
1: And, and we, we, we really dove into that kind of mindset. Mm. So Dungeons Dragons is, to me, a tactical game. Mm. It's about making early
0: decisions
1: in making a character. Oh
0: gods, yeah, of course. Like not not even tactical combat, but tactical development of your character. Yeah.
1: In anticipation of what you're going to
0: face. Well well and and, and, and also the idea of having a character started up to twenty when you turn up at first level. Yeah. That that fills me with disgust
1: <laughs> And that that fully started twenty level character mm. is built in concert with at least three other characters.
0: It must be kinda of nice to have that work though.
1: It does. It it is. It's really satisfying. Mm. I mean, now I couldn't do it for toffee. (laughs) Like that would just bore me to tears. Mm. I still like making characters, but I don't. I don't want to then necessarily use that overwrought character Mm. in a game. I want to know what the system at what point the system bends and at what point the system breaks in Mm. a character, which is such a helpful thing to know as a DM.
0: There's, there's, I mean, the the challenge I think in in applying tactics to um, to a role playing game system is that you're heavily reliant on your on your games master in terms of them understanding the rules and understanding tactics. So some might argue that Shadowrun's a very tactical game, but you have to I suppose same with Dark Heresy because it's not too dissimilar in terms of approach. Uh, you have to simulate that accurately in a way which tactics will play out.
1: Yeah, as a DM, you have to provide the opportunity for tactics to exist.
0: Yeah, and what you can do is then, if you can abstract that out into an alternative way of doing it, then you can get something which feels tactical, but is tactical on a different level.
1: Which I guess is something we try to do in Unbound. Yeah, for sure. Where you where we've kind of got um, a differentiation between areas, but not between specific zones inside that area. Yeah. Um, and... How your choices affect you affect the other people on your on your team and your enemies, and it's that kind of halfway house between story gaming and war gaming, which I quite like.
0: Mm. It was it was certainly a challenge to abstract it into a way where you could. I think you you hit the same challenges like when you're running notes, black agents, or any sort of spy game, or say Demon the Descent, I think the new one. Um, when you're running any sort of spy game you have to know a shit ton about spying otherwise it doesn't feel like a spy game and yeah. you have to know quite a lot about you know, small unit tactics, otherwise tactics don't work.
1: Exactly, yeah whereas you can get away with a lot of stuff in Delta Green. Mm. Mm.
0: Zimralim writes in and asks what powers would a superhero called Werewolf Unicorn have?
1: So not a Werewolf Unicorn but a superhero called Werewolf Unicorn.
0: Well, I mean, you could have both. Oh no, I like, I like,
1: I like the spirit of the question. Like, mm. so it's, it's a basic man <laughs> who's calling himself
0: so, werewolf unicorn.
1: Werewolf unicorn. What superpowers does that person have? Fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> the ability to be the protagonist in any
0: story. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense actually. Just, just like protagonist foo. Yeah. In the, in that he'd walk in and become the protagonist. And you'd know he was the protagonist because he had a different hair colour to everyone else.
1: Yeah, like Superman's there. Yeah. And 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 he's telling the people of uh, Metropolis that everything's going to be fine. And they're all going, oh Superman, that's amazing, thank you so much. But who's this?
0: Thank God you're here, werewolf unicorn. <laughs> I'll let you take over the speech. I'm sorry, I was with my boyfriend, Harry Potter. <laughs>
1: we were on Halo. <laughs>
0: My favourite thing about Werewolf Unicorn is he's half angel and half demon,
1: and <laughs> best friends with Sonic.
0: Well, yeah. Well, honestly, they have kind of a difficult relationship. It's on again, off again. It's on again, off again. Yeah, like they have they they they're both very fiery, passionate mm. characters. We had in the very first game of Doctor Magnet Hands, um, one of the one of the players was the last Wolficorn. <laughs> Top notch, just. A-list He had no movement powers He had to take the bus everywhere That's wonderful he was, he was a werewolf with a unicorn horn And that was the deal do- <laughs> But were, werewolf unicorn So we've, mm-hmm. we've got shape changing Yep We've got virgin temptation
1: The ability to piss healing potions
0: We've got a horn <laughs> Yes Is is this like a were-unicorn Or, a uni-
1: or is it a uniwolf Just
0: <laughs> It's the wolf with one leg <laughs> yeah. Like does, from Paraguay, does he not under, stop it? Does he not understand <laughs> the way that um, you can't combine werewolf in this way? So it would be it would be technically it would be, it would be were unicorn, but he's like, oh, I just change into a unicorn, so he can half change into a unicorn. <laughs> <Just> completely deluded.
2: <laughs>
0: so he has no powers. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine, just just very briefly? Can you imagine the horrendous image, which is a uni- a a, uni- a wear unicorn in half half man half wolf Krenos form? <laughs> just imagine I, the way that looks.
1: I think I've seen that at a convention.
0: Um, well, that's the thing. Like I've I've definitely seen fan art of muscular <laughs> fuck unicorns. Yep. But I feel, I feel, put it this way, I normally feel threatened by horses. I feel double threatened by one that is also a man. What if... Not in a centaur way. Centaurs are cool.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. What if Mm -hmm. the top half turns into a werewolf and the bottom half turns into a (laughs) were-unicorn? So it's a centaur, but like white sparkly back end. Right. Feral front end.
0: What about... I'm gonna. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna up the ante on this one. <laughs> I,
1: I hoped you would.
0: It's a centaur that gets bitten by a werewolf. Sorry. So I'm, we're just we're just gonna fuck we're a werewolf unicorn to one side for a second. You You've got a centaur that gets bitten by a werewolf mm-hmm. every night when the moon is full. It's just a horse with a wolf stuck to it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't understand a fucking thing. It's terrifying. <laughs> It's the, it's the front just, half of a wolf. Imagine this little paws. It's not designed to do anything with it. It's not like, like cause centaurs are great archers because they have, you know, opposable thumbs and shit. It's just and you panic have... running around the paddock. <laughs> Screaming! <laughs> Eviscerating the other horses. The other centaurs? Do centaurs hang out with horses?
1: I, I, I guess there's a certain kinship.
0: Well, I mean, do they hang out with people? No, they don't <laughs> hang up with anything. They're traditional. They're very, they're very insular. If, if the if those if those documentary freezes at the British Museum were anything to go by,
1: yeah, or Harry Potter,
0: yeah, they live in the woods, don't they?
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fuck. Werewolf unicorn back into the centre for a minute. Oh, okay, cool. Um, because I want to see now a werewolf unicorn. The the bottom half is werewolf, and the top half is unicorn.
0: Hang on, let me just let me just, maybe, maybe just envisage this.
1: So it's upright, standing like a man.
0: But it's got wolf legs on the back.
1: Well, no, 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 no. it's standing on two
0: legs. Two wolf legs? Two wolf legs. Right, and then the top half of it is a very heavy horse.
1: It's a very heavy horse with hooves, so no no hands to use.
0: That's even more useless than a wolf stuck to a horse body.
1: (laughs) And a magical horn.
0: (laughs) It's one solace is that its magical horn stops the crippling pain of its existence. It's,
1: it's one solace is that wizards everywhere seek its death. <laughs> is it particularly magical?
0: No, I just fucking hate it. It's no good thing. Have you
1: seen one? It's the worst Ugh
0: <laughs> Ugh Even if it was magical, I'd throw it in the bin.
1: Oh, it's trash It's <laughs> why I became a wizard to just kill Ugh uh. Oh, a plague on the society.
0: <laughs> Give me a question.
1: RPG System with Box of Matches mm. by F- Fandrefer.
0: Fandrefer. Fan... Fan...
1: Fan Doctor F.A.
0: <laughs> Fan Doctor Fanny Adams. That's the one. Fan Doctor Football Association. I, I put this in because this, this person was asking... It was like... that. It apparently it's played on a podcast and there's a there's a game played with a, with a, with a box of matches and how how do you play it okay so now, i remember what this what this game is i just remembered now actually but how about <laughs> how about we write one
1: so i have two okay the first is like
0: dread chip pan fire the rpg <laughs>
1: it's like dread okay but what you got to do is you've got to put lit matches into a box of matches without it igniting
0: that's terrible. I mean, that's the thing about fire, Chris. Is it will ignite cardboard?
1: Yes. I suppose if yes, you put, if you put them in
0: very quickly, the draft might put them out.
1: We used to call that genieing a box of matches. Sorry. Did you ever have that word genieing? Yeah. You can genie a box of matches.
0: Is that so? That's like that's like when when you try and light every match head at once.
1: So you you light one match, you shove it in the box and slam it closed, and then a couple of seconds later. All the match heads ignite, and it kind of sparkles and does a does a big fire.
0: I did it. I did it once or twice. It wasn't as exciting as I hoped it would be. Mm, I think. Fair. I think mainly. I think like we lit the um, we lit the we just lit the match heads directly, and they all went off, and it was like, oh okay. Uh. like we, we were in a field near, near the shopping mall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You see, when we became when we became older, the, the the new version of genieing was throwing a lighter at the ground really hard. You do what? <laughs> sorry? throwing a lighter at the ground really hard.
0: Which then isn't what, as then, good Then what happens you Just break a lighter
1: You break a lighter And they um, If you're lucky It ignites
0: Oh I see Because it, it sparks Yeah Kind of
1: Yeah It's it's like a one in ten thing
0: yeah, It's not great No Apparently but, it's quite good fun To put them into a tennis ball At that point you get a grenade
1: I can see that
0: So you, you put a hole in a tennis ball And fill it full of match heads Which is the sort of thing that I, I don't know Who has the patience for that
1: <laughs> Along with some orange juice And wood shavings Mm-hmm
0: yeah it's that um, uh, it's napalm right orange is yeah, orange yeah it's the building blocks of
1: napalm or <laughs> um, well, the other one is you're all sat around a table
0: mm-hmm. it's, it's Oh, fairly... yeah, sorry was that a role playing game genie the match yeah
1: yeah like dread you have to put like um, oh, like starcross lovers
0: gotta, 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 I understand cool my apologies but, and on. when
1: and when the b- b- box goes up that's the end of the game okay um, the other one is everybody's sat around it's kind of ten candles ambiance we're going for here mm-hmm so it's all, it's all very low light, very dark, very mm-hmm. yeah. And the idea is that what you gotta do is you've got to put you've got to hold the match box in your left hand, mm-hmm. put the match head against the striking strip and then flick it. And the idea is this is a this is a combat action for for learning pyromancers. And the idea is you've got to try and set the the woolen scarf of your opponent alight. <laughs>
0: Branded Harry Potter woolen, woolen scarf. Yeah.
1: But like preferably something grand knitted, so it's that big
0: weave. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's You like fucked to nice, go. That nice that nice big match catching weave. Yeah. Hmm. Set that neck on fire. I that's my think, thinking. I think you can have a game where you have to eat as many matches as possible.
1: <laughs> and, like, it turns into wrestling where you go try and get a box of matches off of your friend. I want a physical element
0: to this game. I mean that is apparent I mean if you got a box of matches, it's probably gonna have a physical element. Yeah, that's true. Uh, for for eating, eating a match. Who can stay awake longest? And you, you you put the matches in your eyes to keep them open, like in cartoons. <laughs> that works, I guess. So it, it, that seems very unsanitary at best. Yeah, I
1: mean, you're you're shoving some chemicals right up in there.
0: Well, I, I I figure like like, 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 like you take the match head off because that would probably irritate the uh, the tissues inside the eye. But at that point, you've got a load of splinters in there. <laughs> yeah,
1: sorry, I just got the idea that there's it's they're not safety matches. And <laughs> your drooping eyelids just managed to catch it
0: and set of it off. I think. I think even even non safety matches appreciate a hard, dry surface. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have my dreams. You know, you know when people straight matches on their face. Yes, that's not a thing, right?
1: It, it is if they're not that? safety matches. Yeah, if they're not safety matches, you could do that.
0: So, like, so what, it, it just like it brushes up against the hair and ignites.
1: And it's friction. It's heat.
0: Oh, I see. So, so any 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 rough surface, like
1: other match heads, yeah, will set it off.
0: That seems like a that seems like a problem. That's why we made safety matches, mm. and also to stop badasses lighting cigarettes off their face.
1: Because mm. cause there was a period where before safety matches were invented, mm-hmm. each match was covered in a very thin layer of wax.
0: Ah, uh, yes, and you, you, you sort of rub it off to strike. Yeah,
1: so when you strike, you've got a cup. You've got about a second of nothing happening because the mm. wax is coming off, and then the friction and heat goes off. Makes sense. But yeah, safety matches are boring.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, they they catch fire much less. But you can't light it on your face. No, that's true. I guess you can't. Light <laughs> Unless you
1: hold this. You cut the strip off the box and hold it up. <laughs> Blue tack it on out of sight from others, and just,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> out of sight from others. What
0: are you doing, Grant? Nothing. Just having a cigarette. How cool am I? God, I'm so cool. Ow. Ah, ah! I oh, pulled oh, pull it, oh, pull it off. I pulled it off.
1: I should not have used superglue.
0: <laughs> I've got one more question for you before we wrap this shit up. Okay. What RPG would you most like... Would you most want Chuck Tingle to write about it for his next book? That's from Zenton. That doesn't make great grammatical sense, but do you understand what we're going for here?
1: I do. Could you, For those who don't know, could you explain Chuck Tingle, please?
0: Chuck Tingle is a visionary genius, Hugo award-winning uh, sci-fi author... <laughs> Who writes very short erotic books? About they're often satirical. They are funny, and they're deliberately funny. But also, someone maybe is getting off to them. (laughs) Um, He started off in like he's he's doing more satirical works now. But he started off uh, with things like "pounded in the butt by my by my billionaire jet plane boyfriend." And a timeless classic. uh, What was the other one? Um, Bigfoot ass sommelier. Was another one um, and there is generally some sort of strange supernatural element which uh, which convinces a up until now heterosexual man to have sex I like it and you've so, also, you've also got things like um, pounded in the butt by the injustice of my perjury trial
1: <laughs> so what I'm thinking mm-hmm. is a kind of hackmaster style setting book Mm-hmm just called Poundland.
0: Mm, I mean, that might, might cause some problems with the existing shop called Poundland. No,
1: it, it will feature heavily the ah. existing shop called Poundland. Ah. It is also advertising, so it would bring Mr. Tingle some more revenue. Mm.
0: So, someone, someone is writing a Tingleverse RPG, apparently. Oh, really? I'm kind of upset it's not me, but I've never spoken to Chuck in any way, so I guess that's why should, it's not you me. You should
1: send an email and get that contract.
0: Just be like, actually, you know what, Wh- whoever's writing it for you, check this out. I'll double it. And just and just a, and just just a picture of me bending over. <laughs> you having this chunk? look
1: with a pound coin taped to your arse,
0: <laughs> <laughs> slammed in the butt by the unfairness of someone else writing this this role playing game for you.
1: Butts of Cthulhu.
0: Um, I mean, we've we've already had a Cthulhu dating sim, and I'd have like. Win? Well, no, we came up with it on a podcast a few weeks oh, ago. I'd like fair. to have that, but um, I think I could have a lot of fun with something that takes itself very seriously.
1: Yes. Yeah, Um, I can see that.
0: Shadows of Estran. Shadows Shadows of Estran. Shadows of Estran. Pounded in the butt by the monolith which is keeping the dark at bay. (laughs) Pounded in the butt by the tragedy of my ancestor's departure.
1: (laughs) Slammed in the ass by the tricasal peninsula.
0: (laughs) I think I'd like that. I don't know enough about Shadows of Estrin to make any more jokes.
1: <laughs> I keep on thinking of things like harder, Hackmaster. <laughs> Anything with master in it works Mas- quite well. Mastered
0: in the ass. <laughs> I had my ass mastered by good by the ghosts of Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Is Dave Arneson dead Arnes- yet? I don't know. Okay. I'm gonna guess yes. I'll kill him for the book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Biggest marketing ploy ever. Mm.
0: Let's wrap it up, Chris.
1: Let's. We've had enough ass pounding.
0: Well, speech for yourself.
1: for this for this podcast.
0: Yes, for this podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening to this um, to this podcast and for listening this long as well. <laughs> Putting up
1: kudos, kudos.
0: Um, as ever, I'm Grant Howitt and that was Chris Taylor. And we have a Patreon. If you like what we're doing, you can come give us some money. We'd really like that because uh, it's nice, isn't it? You know. Yeah. And it helps us run. It helps our running costs. You can go to patreon. sorry that was really unenthusiastic. I might I might I might have another take on that one, Chris. Have have another bang on it. Okay. Like, oh, don't give us money, we suck. I do give us money. <laughs> okay. Pound
1: us in the ass with your cash.
0: Pounded in the ass by one pound an episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to explore um our waiting holes, with,
1: <laughs> I would like to. I would like to to say that one of the questions we were asked for this podcast is: What are the best holes?
0: What are the best holes? Yes, uh, pound holes. Yes, holes you put pounds in. Oh, oh. Um, by, by which I mean, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put this in. Hundred <laughs> percent. Please don't put this in. I was doing okay. Who's editing the podcast this week?
1: I was doing okay. Then you asked me, "What are the best holes?" That was a question we got asked By I who? feel it Only fair,
0: mm. Bell. Oh, Bell asked, "What are the oh?" I didn't realize. Sorry, I thought that was just you being you being. No, saucy.
1: Bell asked. Bell asked, "What are the best holes?"
0: Um, donut. Uh, you sidestepped that really quickly. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think. Like I think. I think we we we, we can sort of like laughingly joke about willies but t- talking what is the most enjoyable orifice <laughs> that's I think that's out the remit of our show yeah you know
1: we will be, if anybody dms us we will tell you
0: yeah we'll let you know there's um chris and I we've it's interpretive dance it's somewhere between <laughs> interpretive dance and a collage listen there's there's a lot of polaroid pictures of it's chris decoupage and i it's collage
1: pornography
0: a lot of pictures of chris and i doing things
1: with a whiteboard
0: yeah with a whiteboard um,
1: <laughs> to explain
0: or <laughs> while what, dancing yeah. with the whiteboard yes. it's very interpretive. also Grunt is fucking the whiteboard through it <laughs> and Chris is
1: working over the dry erase markers
0: so working at what, like it owes you money yeah okay. <laughs> you saucy little tart yeah.
1: <laughs> this is all great Mm, this is all great Patreon me
0: I'm going to thank you for listening to Hearty Nice Friends if you liked what you just heard you can go to our Patreon which is at patreon.com forward slash hearty nice friends give us some cash sling us some dollars fat moolah yeah push that fat moolah in our top pocket as though we are a taxi driver and you are a wealthy patron mm. Mm. Um, we've driven you very fast to the place you wanted to go can we have some extra money please saucy Also. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at HDF Podcast. We don't really tweet a lot on there, but you can stay up to date with the shows. There's that. You can also uh, also follow me at Howitt and Taylor at the underscore Madigan. Um, Not underscore. Oh, shit, sorry. The Madigan. Or if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to friends at com. If it's about game design, or about running a better role-playing game, or anything you want, send, it, send it a question, and uh, if it's answerable, we will answer it. And that's our promise to you. That is the covenant. That is the covenant. It has been agreed. It is decided. Thank you for listening. We love you.
1: We want to take you
0: parasailing. We want to take you parasailing, because little do you know, we are your billionaire parasail boyfriend. <laughs> we are, we are a. Both of us are sentient parasail. Chris is the, Chris is the right toggle. I'm the left, and we've 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 brought you here. You a normally straight man to our to our island off the coast of Paraguay. Doesn't have a coast. I figure it's going to coast. Yes. Is it an yes. Uh, off the coast of Paraguay, um, where we are going to wine you and dine you, and then at some point. While you wouldn't normally be into this, you're going to. We're going to really pound your butt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to tug on us to turn left.
0: You're going to tug on us, and we'll steer you around. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Best episode today. Oh man.